Hello, hello, hello. It's Lisa, Ian, and Andre. Hello. I don't always say my name first. I'm a dick. I should say, like, we, and also I always yeah. do the intro. <laughs> What's up with that? I'm the worst. Um, I should say that my husband gave me, like, a really very gay haircut today. I have to fig- I have to learn how to blend. I have a little bit of a ledge up here. But I was like, oh, that's a perfect gay haircut. It for looks cute. He's getting better. He's um and I did mine. He's like learning how to fade, do a fade. So we're working on it. And I don't mind. I don't like even if we like one time he gave me like this straight up like just like the shallow monk <laughs> bowl thing <laughs> off the back of my neck. And I said it was cool at the time and it was fun. It's a free haircut. Uh, but I did find myself wearing a lot of hats. <laughs> <laughs> Cause there's like, don't worry about it. And then there's like, yeah, let's start to take our time. So how are you, Andre? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. I'm doing pretty good. Just chilling. Chilling like a villain. Doing a lot of cleaning today, as you were saying before we started the podcast. Doing a lot of cleaning. Non-stop cleaning. And you're about to leave your home that you've known for four years. Have you been in that same apartment for four years? No, we've been. We've only been here for two. Okay, but that's yeah. still a long time, and that's your college life kind of come to a close, like in real, actual, physical door shuts. Yeah, it's really weird. I don't know how to feel about it. It still kind of feels like it's not It's not really happening. I mean, like, yeah. with everything this year, it almost feels like it's not really happening. Um, but, yeah, you know, we still got a week left. Yeah. So we're just, we're just chilling and cherishing and savoring, you know. That's good to do. That's really, yeah. really good to do. Um, and we just, speaking of, we just recently celebrated our two-year anniversary together. We did on this podcast. You were reminding yeah. us. You had to understand, Andre, it's not that I don't love you and care about you and, and find it amazing to have you on the podcast, but the reason I got married on Halloween is so I could remember my fucking anniversary. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not good. I'm not good with this, so you're going to have to tell me when these things well, happen. Well, I, I was wondering about it the other day because it's like I remember it was like around mid-July, so I scrolled back to our Walking Dead podcast, and it was that exact day that I was scrolling. I was like, oh, wow, look at that. That's so Two interesting. Years. Happy anniversary to us. And we've had, we did this, we started this podcast in 2017. And you came along um, a year later. That's really cool. Uh, That's fun. Yeah. And made it all the better. Otherwise, it would just been me over here. I'd probably still be <laughs> bitching about The Walking Dead. <laughs> uh, the cool thing about you is also you bring a lot of suggestions, as always. And it was your suggestion for us to uh, watch and review and talk about uh, Circus of Books. So mm-hmm. I appreciate you doing that. It's like a perfect almost uh, anniversary uh, gift show to talk about. Oh, yes. Circus of Books. Yes, very queer. Love that. Because we're all queers. Um, we're in the queer community. I don't want to speak for, on, uh, for anyone, but, you know, I'm queer. But I had to say, we were watching this, and I, ha- I mean, I'm still learning about my adopted homeland of Southern California. I have been here... Uh, just 18 years. I, I know that anniversary, June 2nd, for some strange reason that sticks in my head. I moved here 18 years ago. Ian grew up here. So I'm still finding out about my, my, my adopted home. And I, there's so much I don't know. It's such a dense place, right, with such a rich, crazy history. I had no idea about Circus of Books. I had no idea that I've driven past it numerous times. Yeah. And then I looked at Ian and I said, did you know about this place? And he was like, no, like, hmm. so I'm looking at a, a native here. We have a native 
what like what was your first reaction when we started realizing who the Masons were and Circus of Books and everything? Well, it definitely was. You know, it looked like. You know, when once they said Southern California, L.A., I was like, okay. And I just was like, yeah, that's reminded me of growing up in the 80s here. I was so, like, fascinated by the way the way you guys dressed in high school. And then yeah. you had outdoor areas. Like. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, like, in the mid Well, because in the Midwest and the East Coast, you, you have, you have, uh, you have weather. Yeah. Here, it's just, you know, it's temperate. So you have outside, you know, corridors. You're like, your hallways are just a ledge. And then it's open, and you have an open quad area just all over the place. See, growing watching <coughs> Buffy the Vampire Slayer all those years. It's like that. And all those shows. And when I started location scouting out here, I was like, they were not fucking with us. Like, you literally, that's your schools. You have all, your lockers are outside. I'm like, yeah. a bear would rip ours off the wall and <laughs> eat them where I'm from. <laughs> you know, or a redneck would set them on fire. You know, so <laughs> I'm just fascinated. I, do we you didn't have even use our lockers in high school. You, what? I mean, they were definitely inside, but we we didn't. No one used their lockers because we never had time to go back to them in between classes. We had like two minutes in between each class, so I'm not really sure why they were built there to begin with. Wow. I, I'm I used it my freshman year because I mean, like in middle school, you definitely use them. So I was like, oh, you know, you know, it's, it's high school. I guess it better. But no, everyone just carries around their backpacks everywhere they go with their books. Wow, you know, there's no heavy point backpack. in like stopping, oh. especially we were we were in a a two level high school and it was like huge. So like, it it just saves you time if your locker's on one side of the building and you have the next class on the other side. It just saves you time. Okay, I'm sorry. Where do you put your weed? <laughs> your vape pen. You're, you're asking the wrong person. Where do you put your makeup? Where do you put your hammer? Where do you put your? They gave us like combinations and the the numbers. But no one was going. No one was really using them. The so I mean, strange. like you could put stuff stuff in there if you wanted to, but no one was really doing that. The school's very. I bizarre. used to store old lunches, like in junior high. Yeah. I would store old lunches in my locker. I just let it. Just I didn't eat them, so I just threw them in there. Yeah, and then that I would it happened the same. Like two weeks later, you're like, "What's that stench? It sounds like a body is died. Oh, it's uh, that bologna sandwich I put in there two weeks ago. I didn't want to offend yeah, my mother. My mother was like, you know, we were we didn't have a whole lot of money, and my mother grew up dirt poor, and so if I didn't, I didn't want to eat a bologna sandwich. That's all she could afford to make, and I just would not eat. I didn't go to the cafeteria. I was a very shy kid. I was always avoiding like the lunchroom. I was always chubby, you know. And until I learned how to like tell jokes and be a stand-up comedian, I lunch was about hiding. So, and then I didn't want to eat bologna, so I just would like hang out with the smokers' court kids and. I lived off of air. I think that's why I, was weight, I weighed 80 pounds up until like, I graduated from high school. Okay. But this show is not about high school. <laughs> it is about um, Karen and what is her husband's name? Oh, my God. I blanked. It's uh, Barry. Karen and Barry. Karen and Barry Mason. Mason. So they're, they're living here in Los Angeles. Uh, she was a reporter, I think, in Ohio before then. And she came to visit her parents and ended up staying. And she meets um, Barry, and, and it's like a whirlwind thing. Uh, well, you know, for them, I don't, I don't see this being a super romantic <laughs> encounter. They're like, yeah, we liked each other. We got married. He wore a striped uh, thing to the wedding. I wore a blue dress. They're very practical, pragmatic people. And Barry was uh, this kind of really smart guy, tech guy, who was making all kinds of gadgetry. At first, he started out wor working for, like, ILM, right? 
So they worked on a couple of TV shows. I think yeah, it, they was did. In, it was production. Something yeah. had to do with production. He did a Star Trek, and then before yeah. that, he did some, you know, Lucas projects, some Star Wars stuff, and then you know he gets into what is he doing? X-ray machines or something? Or um, dialysis, dialysis machines. machines. Dialysis, yeah. Then the insurance goes through the rock uh, through the roof. Through the rocket, and then he needs a way to make a living. He's a young man. They're starting their family, and he has to sell all of his equipment because of malpractice insurance. No one can afford to have these machines, and so now he's got to find a living. So him and his wife are looking around for something to do, and she sees an ad in the paper for someone, and it turns out to be Larry Flint is looking for someone to distribute uh, material, uh, porn, and they don't bat an eye. They're like, "Well, we need to make a living." This is something we can do. And by the way, this sounds like it's just such a very L.A. story to me. <laughs> and it's also a very, uh, shall I say, Jewish story. What I love about it, I have a lot of Jewish friends. This is exactly what they would do. They're like, I have a lot of Jewish friends in the business. And this story reminds me real quick of a, I think I've told the story in the podcast. We're getting out to it really quickly. Where we had subprime happen. Oh, no, the writer struck happened in 2005, 2006. My friend was a, a DP. And he'd been in the game for a while. He has two girls in college. They're going to UCLA. He's got a mortgage. And everything goes tits up. And he's older. And so they're looking to get rid of the older guys who had, like, higher rates. And he's not getting work anywhere. It's all going digital. Or there's no work. And he decides to work in porn. Because they're paying, like, crazy money. And he goes home. He's nervous to tell his wife. Because his colleague goes, hey, man, don't tell anybody but I'm Alan Smithy on, you know, some porn. Goes home and tells his wife. And he's thinking she's going to have a problem. Because they're both, you know, they grew up Jewish. Pretty, you know, their parents were conservative. They're reform. And he says, honey, I could make, you know, $2,500 a day, but it's porn. She goes, when do you start? Where is this? Is, you know, it's chat work. Yeah, she's Chat's like, where's work. the coin? And they're it's not, right over not, there. They're not long days he either. Said so, and then he did that for like a year and a half, and then he started a production company with that money, and he said, you know, I would still go out and do days on it. So Karen and Barry strike me as my friend, who were like, it's money. It's a business. But then we get into the politics of how all of these right-wingers who are always doing all kinds of nefarious shit uh, behind closed doors – to distract away from their failure at leadership, start targeting the porn industry and the whole nine. What I don't think I expected this to be this. No. <laughs> you know, what did you guys expect no. and what did you take away from it? I don't know what I expected. I mean, I knew the general premise of it, but it was kind of, it's wild to me for someone who, who grew up in, I mean, not a small town, but it wasn't like a big city either. I mean, there's nothing like that where I'm from. There's nothing like that here in Morgantown that I can think of or know. Um, There's no brown I mean, paper maybe, shops. There's no... No, no. And, like, when they were, like, in the, the actual store, I mean, like, you're you're looking at these magazines, like, full frontal everything, and then Karen's like, and then over there is the 18 and up section. I'm just like, this is not... <laughs> this is not 18 and up. And me, coming from, like, a, a very, like, conservative conservative like portuguese household like sex was never talked about necessarily um and to like i think it was just kind of interesting to see how pragmatic like you said they were about the whole thing i mean like it's just a business especially since like sex as a topic in in america is just like so taboo and uncomfortable for a lot of people so dumb which which yeah it never made any 
real sense to me but it's the same thing with like how we have weird behaviors about like cursing or like how we do that on tv and film and like women being able to read yes exactly um but it, it did not surprise me when they were like and then the religious people came for us and and we were fighting lawsuit after lawsuit i didn't know anything about that in terms of like how um like our government sort of views that i remember taking an ap government course where we did talk about how it's really hard like from a constitutional perspective to define obscenity in pornography Mm. and that's why it's been such a hot button issue in our government it's because there's because there's so many sort of like various ways you can interpret it it's hard to delegate it or uh, legislate it in any sort of way so i think it was interesting to see what it was like Back then, I mean, like, I feel like we made a little progress in terms of how we think about sex as a society. But, yeah, it was just really interesting. I did not think it was going to go that way. Um, but, yeah, it was really interesting. Yeah, what did you think? Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't expect it to take that sort of political route. Um, but it was interesting is because that was like the 80s, you know, America. And I remember being on the other side of of the uh you know, popular opinion, because I was I was raised in a very traditional Christian home, and I remember you know focus on the family and all that shit and fucking. You were raised on focus on the family. yeah, and you know anti pornography and like how pornography leads to Ted Bundy and all Didn't this. Did you get stuff. caught like trying? To, I got like, po- I got caught with porn like all the fucking time. Did you? Well, not all the time, but I got caught with porn like several times. What kind of porn were you into? I was just I, one of like the very first Oops. one was just like <laughs> I don't remember what it was I don't I don't remember what it was but um, I remember my dad my my mom and my dad made me like memorize uh, Bible verses or some shit like that. no no no, no I can I tell the story but that it you was told just me? It, the way you told me the story is that there was a computer in the home or somewhere and you were like looking at something that was supposed to be porn and because you're on a dial up. No, no, that was no, loaded? that was that was something that was oh. something totally else. It oh. was like when dial-up first came, I was and then and he was like, "Oh, let's look at porn," and you're sitting there just watching. Like, right, you, you get half an areola, yeah, yeah. you get nailed. No, this was like this was years before that. Oh, okay. Um, but just seeing, you know, what you know what they're going through, and knowing that I, the way my family was, was on the other side of what they were going through. Right. And when it got to that, and I was like, "What the fuck? This are, these are First Amendment rights," and it just then it started to really hit me because of what we're all going through right now. And then, um, you know, the story of how uh, the was it the youngest son, yes, uh, Josh, and how his coming out story, and yeah. how his, his mom, you know. Did the hard work to try to figure out. Well, first she has a very negative reaction. Exactly, but she 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 even says that she looks at herself and she says, "I need to figure out why I had this reaction." And and she doesn't just stop there. And now they're you know as Barry says they're they're big deals and P flag. I what I love about this the whole documentary is Karen. Karen is yeah. this unlikely hero. They're falling into this business. They need something to do. It was supposed to be a stop gap gap as they figured out what they were going to do as career. She said, we're college educated. This is not something we wanted to necessarily do long term. And then because of the Reagan era, you know, holier than thou, hypocritical dipshits start trying to make um, um, an example 
this hypocritical example of Larry Flint and company, they get drugged into it and they get charged with uh, distributing yeah. porn across state lines exactly. and all this other shit. So Karen goes from being someone, she said, we didn't know what the fuck we were doing, to now becoming, her and Barry can ba- basically read you chapter and verse on the First Amendment rights and, and this very topic. And ended up being unlikely shoulder-to-shoulder champions of this whole topic with, with Larry Flint. And she says something very interesting at one point about how it's, it's, the, it's the stuff that y'all consider. I'm not, I'm not talking about me, but y'all out there might be ignorant people. Consider the most crazy shit. Hold it down for the rest of us. Because if you come for the pornography, like they did with the Third Reich. Yeah. If you come with, for this and that, everything else falls behind it. You know, and uh, and these people are good people. These people who do this, by and large, are just it's a it's a business. Yeah. And y'all capitalists yeah, love money. Thing. You it's, love capitalism. And they it was a business to them. And they the way they acted, it was business. This was just a You're, business. Y'all, I gotta yeah. tell you the whiplash I'd get from com, from conservatives on the regular. But what I see in Karen is Karen goes from like I'm just doing this to now being the champion, is the way her son comes out of the closet. She has this very negative reaction because she's conservatively Jewish. And he's like in college when he comes out. And she does this 180 and now is a champion of PFLAG and gay rights and uh, takes it very, very seriously. So I love that Karen... Karen's probably one of my favorite people (laughs) I've seen on screen of late because she's proof that you can... You can educate yourself. You can evolve, and then you can become the hero of the of your own story. If it if you were, what? How did you guys take? How did you take the coming out story, Andre? Like, what was your thoughts and feelings? I mean, I was surprised by the way she reacted, honestly. Because I mean, like, I don't know. I guess it. I guess it didn't hit me until then how pragmatic she was about the whole thing. Um, because she didn't, she didn't see necessarily what was on the magazine. She saw a magazine that could be sold and all of this stuff. So, I mean, like, I mean, I think they make a point of saying before the, the coming out story that she, she and Barry hid this basically from the church because they were afraid of backlash and everything and how that dovetails into the lawsuits and everything. Um, but I mean, like, I mean, like the way the dad reacted, I assumed was going to be the reaction all around. I don't know if it's because I wasn't paying attention enough, but I don't know. It did kind of strike me as kind of like, I mean, like you're around that stuff all the time. Right. And like, yeah. I mean, and it's a good people point. also yeah. make this just that okay, you're in this, you run this gay bookstore selling hardcore porn. They're actually making hardcore films. They're producing those. Yeah. Well, and then, you know, she didn't want to tell anyone what they did because she didn't want her kids to be ostracized. Right. Um, and it was an abomination in the temple, in her faith. And then, you know, Barry's reaction is, I, I was upset, slightly upset that he kept it a secret from me because yeah. it would have made zero difference to yeah. me. And then Barry's yeah. reaction and both of their reaction when they started losing a lot of their employees to the AIDS uh, pandemic is like, these are really good people. And yeah. Karen is like, both of them are like, why wouldn't you talk to your child? Why would it, but that's yeah. also the thing I know I know so many I've heard so many stories about how people are like are fine with gay people until they have someone in their family that's gay or they know someone personally right because it's very hard to to stand away from it and be like yeah I have no problem with that 
as long exactly. as it doesn't affect my yeah. family or people I know, you know. Cheap. It's kind of that. like yeah. now how like people don't believe in COVID until they they know someone that gets it and dies from it. Unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of the same are. thing. But I mean, like you have people having gay sex in your attic, Karen. Like I just don't. Like... And her name is literally Karen. Uh, but yeah. She became a but Karen for good. But I don't think she's good. an actual Karen. I don't yeah. think people who are actually named Karen act like Karens. That's true. Which is funny, but yeah, well, we, I don't see we her. Know a Karen I see her wearing a mask. Let's just say that. Yeah, we know a Karen. But that's what this, there's the misnomer that people think that when you're from here, you're this you know wide open very evolved, open-minded person just because you're from SoCal. And I got that shocker. I moved here in 2012. Uh, shockers, pun intended. And I came here and I was just like, damn, everybody's pretty conservative in this town. I was kind of shocked. I wasn't expecting like a circus. I wasn't expecting Las Vegas. But I was really taken aback how people in the film and television industry were also very conservative and still are, yeah. a lot of them. So uh, that's why people think, oh, liberal Hollywood. I'm like, you guys would be really shocked at how conservative it is. So I think there might be that sort of reaction of, well, you're, you're in West Hollywood, which is the gay mecca. You know, you're, you have Vaseline Alley, uh, which is behind all of these kind of establishments. You have a Vaseline Alley. And, uh, yeah, it just you see like Karen had those walls up. She had an expectation, and then she lets those walls down. And becomes a champion. So I think it's a story for good. I love also how she's trying to constantly tell her daughter who produced this film. I mean, well, Ryan Murphy, the exec produced, but her daughter's directing and producing this. <laughs> how to do the film the entire time. Um, yeah. You know, she's, she's constantly at her daughter on how to, uh, how to put this together. I just felt so connected to the yeah. Masons. It was one of those... And the employees in the bookstore. Yeah, exactly. It's one of those ones that sort of crep, creeps up. Yeah, we were like, like in tears at the yeah, end of it, and I was like, like... Oh, my fucking God. I am boohooing, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I didn't expect to be moved by the closure of a porn shop, but... Yeah. You know. Here we are. And that no one But also from the beginning, I was like, okay, which one of these kids is gay? <laughs> like, which one Which one they going to be? I thought both of the boys were gay, and possibly the daughter was pan or bi, and I was like... Is that going to be the shoot that drops? Um, but I also love that her brother's like, I'm not gay. Like, you're, she goes, why didn't you come into my world? He goes, well, your world was too gay. Um, and that still isn't my world. And it also shows another thing. This, this documentary is chocked in its hour and 24 minutes, full of so many things. Free speech rights and, mm. you know, faith and, you know, how your family never lets you grow up and expectation. But I was just shocked by, not shocked, but just surprised that like, we got to a lot of things. And one yeah. of the things that Josh says is like, you know, we're not all gay the same way. Like, we're not monolithic. Yeah. That's what we say about the, the black community, the brown community. Not everyone is, like, even between the three of us, we rep different things in the community and approach things very differently. To the degree that I have to, as I'm talking to you, who's much younger than me, I have to make sure that I don't put my 1980s, 1990s, early aughts gay community thinking on you. And I need to sure. listen, you know, listen to the younger generation. Mm -hmm. I think it's really important that you have younger and older people in your own life because you learn yeah. both sides of what's going on. Like you can talk to someone about like what they've learned. Someone who's a little bit older than you who's ahead of the where you are. You have people your same age, you go, 
same girl, same. And then you have the, the younger people who are like really resetting the tone constantly and telling you what time it is. Yeah. So I mean, everyone yeah. involved gets context of, of what the overall, what everyone's going through. So Josh is like, you know, that's not my world. That's not a place that, you know, and the way he comes out is like writing it on a post-it note and kind of throwing that down with a pen and then running upstairs. That's a way. <laughs> there, you know, there's no wrong way to come out, you know. That was, I wish I did that. <laughs> yeah. Imagine. Yours was kind of, yours was kind of interesting. Um, My coming out? Yeah. It kind of, it didn't, it doesn't happen the way, it didn't happen the, in the cinematic way, did it? No, no. <laughs> it, it you don't have to share all. it here if you don't want to. I, I, I'm not. No, no, no. I'm going to, I mean, like, I can share it. I literally was sick. I had some sort of flu or something. Uh, this is 2017. Um, and me and my mom went to urgent care to get me like a, a strep test or something. Um, and then we were coming back home and then literally the car pulled up in the driveway and out of nowhere, I was just like, I think I'm going to tell them like it was spring break. I was only there for a week. I'd been out for like a couple of months only to my friends. And, um, I was like, I already come out to my sister and my cousin. And like, they were really like the last two people that I wanted to be like, after them, like, I wasn't going to sit anyone else down and tell them. Right. And come out and everything. It's exhausting. Um, <laughs> it is exhausting. And that's why I was like, after them, I'm just going to, you know, let people figure it out or ask me or, you know. But I'm going to be, I, I decided I was, I was like, that's it. I'm coming out to them and then I'm done coming out. Um, So, like, we got inside and I was like, can I talk to you guys? And they were like, yeah. And I told them that I was bisexual um and i mean like as far as like reactions go it was like pretty positive at the time who was sitting there um, was it your parents just your parents it was my parents and sophia was there because okay. i asked her to be she already knew but like i needed like the the yeah. emotional support um but i wasn't like crying or anything but it was like it was like nerve-wracking um and so i told them and they took it i i think pretty well um the one thing that I wish they didn't do was they sort of um, made me feel bad for making them the last people I told. So it was kind of the same thing. They were kind of like, why did you wait so long to tell us, essentially? Um, and I feel like I was resentful for how they said that for a long time because it felt like I, I, I had worked up all the courage to do that only to feel guilted for waiting so long. Um, and I mean, like, I never thought my parents were going to, like, kick me out or anything. But also, like, this was not something we talked about. I never knew how they really felt about gay people at all, mm. you know. And, you know, they were voting Republicans. But, I mean, like, they're really in the middle right now. But um, my dad is is getting more and more left by the day. Thank God. <laughs> thank God. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> every conversation i have with him Yay, um <laughs> and he's he's god bless his soul he's really trying to understand and yeah. I, I love that well, i mean um, I, think, I don't think parents understand that when you're coming out like you start with your friends you start with like the soft targets you start with the people who are going to get you most and you're practicing you know yeah, and that's what i told them yeah, it's like a, yeah. It's like I, being in a I said pot. i've known to... you guys for all of my life and i knew those friends that i first told for a month yeah. you know it's very it's very different and of course when i told my friends, they were like, 
I thought, because I, I like told him in our group chat, I was like, hey, can I come over and talk to you guys about something? And they were like freaking out because they thought I was like dropping out or something. And I was like, I'm by. And they're just like, that's it? <laughs> like, you had us worry. Like, I thought you were like dying. <laughs> Which was honestly a great reaction because it was just like very funny afterwards. And that was also that moment. Um, Harley was also there and she was like, Hey, me too. And so we kind of came out together, which That's was really awesome. funny. Um, but no, my, you know, my parents came around to it. At first I, I remembered getting the, uh, my dad telling me that they, they could tolerate it, but they didn't necessarily need to accept it. And when I heard that, I didn't at first necessarily hear anything wrong with that. Cause I think I was just like so elated that they took it positively that I wasn't really like bothered by it. But the more I thought about it, like years down the line, I'm just like, what a kind of shitty thing to say. Wow. <laughs> and it just, just flew over my head. Of course they don't feel that way now. And I've talked yeah, about, they've changed and they've, and they've apologized for how yeah. they reacted to. They also told me like, they didn't want me like posting pictures with my boyfriend on Instagram or something like that. Cause they were like, just because you come out doesn't mean you have to like overdo it and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, and I, I do remember do pushing back on that. Out means? <laughs> I do remember pushing back on that because I yeah. was like, well, you would never tell Sophia to not do that. Yeah. And they were like, yes, we would. We totally would. I'm just like, mm, but would you? You know, and I do remember at the end of my freshman year, I posted like an, a photo album of like 40 pictures of my freshman year. And there was one picture of me and my boyfriend. Uh, we were walking and holding hands and someone behind us took a picture of it. And I posted that because that was a, a major part of my freshman year. And it was also a little bit kind of coming out on Facebook sure. and like my aunt liked it and like some other family members liked it. And they got, my parents got really upset and I didn't understand why it was like one picture out of 39 pictures. And we had like a whole screaming match about it. Anyway, it's great now, but like in, ter in terms of like coming out, like it's a little like hot and cold when I think about it. Yeah. But yeah. I remember like we didn't, I don't think I had a concept of coming out. I think you would tell mm -hmm. other people. I didn't really, ha it wasn't like an overt thing, but I remember like my friend coming out to me. I had everybody always coming out to me. It was just me all the time. Hey, um, this is my friend, Lisa. I just want you to know that I really don't like girls and I'm gay. And I'm like, are, is there a hidden camera show going on? Like we didn't have punked at the time, but it was, we did have candid camera. And I'm like, <laughs> Like, are we going to lunch? And he was like, and I realized that I was being insensitive because he broke down in tears and was like, I, you know, he was, he was a very conservative Christian. We, w we were in that part of the Bible Belt, the frayed end of the Bible Belt, you know. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, no, it's completely cool. Oh, honey, no, I'm so sorry I'm a dick. No, okay. Cry it out. It's completely cool. And then the whole lead-up was, I need to come out to my farmer, actual conservative Church of Christ parents. And I'm like, okay, now, uh, I think I'm going to have to strap for that. Um, point the car down at the end of the road because you have a half-mile driveway where his parents lived. So I just, I didn't really feel like it was a, th I'd never thought about it in terms of myself. And I was That's dating a yeah. woman, and then a friend came up to me and said, oh, my God, you're a queer. And I'm like, looked at my girlfriend, and I was like, yes, I am. What's up? Because I wasn't about to let this fucker, like, come at me. I was already, like, long into activism right. when this person tried to shame me in the street. And I was like, listen, bitch. And so I gave her a big sloppy kiss or whatever. And 
uh, my girlfriend was like, you probably should have asked me. And it was a whole messy thing. Nothing really happens the way you like write it on paper, you know? No. So yeah. Yeah. Interesting. But I going, hope coming yeah. outs are like on their way out. Yeah. To say, but I'm just like, alive. You know? Yeah. Like I, I, I would love, a, I could definitely see a world where like, you know, a kid brings home like, you know, like a, a boy brings home of their boyfriend and is like, Hey mom and dad, it's my boyfriend. And you know, this is a thing. And they're like, cool. I, I would mean, love that. We need to get. We <laughs> and need I think to that's that becoming place. more and more common. I think yeah. it is too. I think that's where we are. But for the longest time, you know, being gay was illegal. Being a lesbian was illegal. Yeah. I was watching. Um, oh, I've lost the name of it. A true love, a sweet love. It's about one of the uh, original baseball players on uh, from the a League of Our Own um, ladies, and watching this st- their story, and just uh, really understanding what they were up against as gay women. You could they would raid clubs and if you didn't have at least three pieces of clothing on that were female, they'd throw you in jail. Throw you in the paddy wagon. I mean that was a really, really crazy dark time. And they were so in that closet that it took them into their eighties to finally get married. Um I highly recommend that one. What was that one called, babe? I try to look at that. Um look it up. We just watched it recently. It's, why is it escaping me? But uh, it's it's on Netflix right now. A Secret Love. A Secret Love. This and is also Ryan Murphy as well? Yeah, Ryan Murphy oh. is out here doing it. for the, He's holding it down for the children. Oh. Um, but I love that these stories are being told and that we're getting these stories out here because those those people, and I don't mean those, those people, but our uh, queer um, mothers and fathers and elders. Elders. They went through so much crazy shit mm-hmm. that they were marveling at how easy it was for people in the 80s, and it still wasn't. Because Karen points out that in a lot of places, pornography is illegal. And I will still yeah. say that in some states today, it's illegal. Hell, just a handful of years ago, they banned uh, dildos in Alabama, to which <laughs> there's a lot of really cool people in Alabama just look up banning dildos in Alabama. The protests were hilarious. This one dude just covered his entire car with just like rubber dildos that just waggled at every stop <laughs> sign. Uh, come and get them. Wow. So there's still a lot, of, a lot of like people who don't know how their body parts work or they do things with their body parts that are dark and horrible and perverted and they want to keep everybody else under a rock. So I don't really believe in that personally. I never have. But it's just, it's good to see things getting better, but I don't think we're post anything in this no. uh, backward ass country. No. A country no. that I like, that, by the way. It was like that, but I wish it would, I remember what university it was, but there was a university a couple years ago that banned dildos and sex toys of any kind. And a group of students just bought a bunch of dildos and just put them all over campus. That might have been Alabama. Just like on doors, like the suction cup ones. Sure. You just, they just yeah. put it on glass doors. Yeah, there was like, a lot of that. They were taking down dildos for weeks until they reversed it. That's so hilarious. Yeah, that's what happened in Alabama. It might have been the same thing. But it's just like, just, and then, but, but this was, you know, like even here, there's a very conservative swath that cuts right through California. Oh, yeah. So you're not like sitting in the place where like, oh, we can all put our feet up. We can't put our feet up ever. Um, mm. As the passing of John Lewis has happened, uh, a representative, John Lewis, passed away last night. Um, at 80 years old, he also died within hours of C.T. Vivian. Uh, Lewis is the last of the Freedom Rider Six, the big six, 
uh, from back in the days of Dr. King, C.T. Vivian also. Uh, they got arrested on the same day in 1961 and died on the same day in, 19, uh, in 2020. And, and just thinking about these guys and Lewis just saying, you know, he, just read anything by Lewis and he just gets you. He gets where we are in the movement. It's like don't do anything with bitterness. Do it with love. Um, and we can change the nation, mm. but you can't put your feet up. It's never yeah. over. The struggle and the strife is never over. You're, all, you're going to be fighting these fights. And these guys are recognizing. Andrew Rung, Young was saying this this morning, you know, we've never seen the likes of this movement before. And so I think a lot of things are happening. But we can't rest even when we've gotten a lot of work done in this. So and what did Andrew Young say this morning? He said, uh, don't get better, bitter, get smarter. Get smarter. And yeah. I think we're, we're starting to see that, even as... Uh, secret police are snatching people off the street, literally in Portland, and all kinds of crazy fucking things are happening in this country. I think it's because we've rattled them. We've rattled these guys. Like, I've never seen yeah. these motherfuckers get rattled before, and it just makes us all want to come together, queer, black, brown, all of us, because we are mighty and powerful. Look at what we're doing, and look at what we can do, and... Stories like Circus of Books is very heartening because Karen and Barry did this in a vacuum. They did this out of necessity, but they turned it into an evolutionary story, and they turned it into a cautionary tale in a yeah. lot of ways. And they also are, are a, a living demo of how you can do it, too. So without being preachy, this thing is never preachy. It feels like a home video um, but it's sort of a professional edge to it. Yeah, yeah. You know? I quite liked it. So, yeah. I, I, I encourage you guys to watch it. It'll make you feel some type of way. Yeah, I don't really have much more to say about Circus of Books except for that I didn't expect it to sneak up on me and get me like it did. Yeah, definitely. Highly recommend. Highly. It was a great watch. And then A Secret Love. Maybe space those out. Maybe JAMA, your favorite, like, Polly D, um, Shot at love in between <laughs> Benny and Polly. Shot at love between two of those things. S listen. Those two guys. I still have to watch my trash TV every once in a while. <laughs> I'm still Throw in an extra viewing of Hamilton in between. Yes, there you go. There you go. There you go. <laughs> That'll kind of float you along. That's probably better for your brain than <laughs> Polly and Benny, those orange kids now living in Las Vegas. Um, yeah, so we're gonna be uh, we're going to be back next week. Can we kind of preview what we're going to be doing next week? We're doing a little interview, aren't we? We are. We're going to have a recording artist who's uh, got a powerful message for our times and has been out um, in the streets for a while with these messages. Um, Charity Ikeke is going to be with us next week. She's going to sit down with an interview with us. She's got a new album coming out. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about it debuted at number 85 on digital radio. Um and we're really excited to, to, to talk to her. So that's super fun. And we've got about a lot of little goodies sort of in the works right now. We can't tell you about those. But some stuff may be coming on the wind. Um, Ooh, I love that we've turned into those people. We've turned into like, those people. We've got a lot of things in the works I cannot tell you I about them I cannot tell you about it. I have signed an NDA. There are things NDA. working behind the scenes. <laughs> no, it's really about I hope that the people say yes. <laughs> but I'm going to make it seem like we're on Game of Thrones. Uh, well, we we're also we're also we're we're also taking a little bit of initiative. We want to get more people in, on and talk to them about you know what they do and how 
this pandemic has affected them personally and as artists and yeah. So, I mean, like, you know, if you're listening and you're like me two years ago and you're like, Hey, I have some things to say, but I want to remind you that Andre had his own recording system and that's true records. You're doing a Lisa right now. You have your own recording (laughs) equipment, professional recording equipment. You record the ISOs on your end and then we, we mix it. So let's not get carried away right now. (laughs) <laughs> see see what happened just there we did a little switch the twist of the podcast happened on the anniversary don't be like me i left a review first before i asked <laughs> <laughs> five star review on itunes Aww. that's your, your ticket for entry that's your ticket for entry don't get on there and troll me and tell you how much you hate me girl fuck <laughs> off so or boy or whatever maybe you're non-gender conforming so um Cool. We're going to be back next week with Charity. Um, Please join us for that. She's got a lot of powerful things to say. Her music is really cool. Can't wait to share it with you. If you love Nina Simone, if you love that vibe and that message and that sound, you're going to love Charity. She's she's quite freaking delightful. Yeah. So you guys take care of yourself. I hope you're drinking a lot of water. Your pee's not dark. You're getting a lot of sleep. You're taking care of yourself. If you're trying to do something creative, it's okay if it's not coming out quite the way you want to or you're having constipation days. If you're working hard at your job, it's okay to come home and rest. And for mothers at home who are having to do all of it and fathers who are having to do all of it, we hear you. We love you. We hope you have some mom or dad water around the house <laughs> to ease your load. So, Just remember, if you're feeling unproductive, Staying home and wearing a mask is the most productive thing you can do. Holler, holler. Wear your fucking mask. Don't be a fucking douche. Wear your mask. What are you doing? Um, and I'm going to get on out of here saying I love and respect you, Mr. John Lewis. I'm not ready to let you go, but I guess I'm going to have to. I hope you and CT and Dr. King and everybody are having a, a wonderful party in um, heaven or wherever you go when you die. Um, peace and love. Bye, guys. Bye.